T to G to I to F to A. T to G to I to F to F. Thank God it's first. Thank God it's first Friday. And it is also first Friday of the new year. New year. 2021. That is really exciting. Brother Andrew, what a way to ring in the new year with a podcast. Happy new year, everybody. Happy new year. So, Brother Andrew and myself, we want to talk about a sore subject. That's right. In the sense that it's not something that's pleasant to talk about. Yeah. We're going to talk about conflict and crisis. That's right. And for me, both of those, at least uh, when I first see it, say it, seem negative. Like, conflict is a bad thing, right, Brother Andrew? Who likes conflict? Yeah, nobody. And crisis is also a bad thing, right, Andrew? It, yeah, I mean, who likes a crisis, right? So it's kind of, they're both bad and we should just avoid it. Yeah, right? well, that, that's the question, right? That's the question. Should we avoid conflict? Should we avoid a crisis? I mean, wouldn't it be better if life was just rainbows, flowers, and uh, like a big bowl of paella? Yeah, you know, that's actually my exact exact uh, description of heaven, you know? Rainbows really and flowers and paella. But... um. But, you know, I don't know. I, I don't know. I don't think Pope Benedict said that we're not made for comfort. We're made for greatness. Oh, and that's... So... Yeah, and you don't become a great athlete by sitting on the couch all day, and you don't become that's right. a great saint by... Just uh, wishing. Just think about yourself. Yeah, you can't. We have to... We, we need some measure of struggle in order to be, to be happy. So where did this theme come up? How did, how did you... Come about well, as we all, as both of us know, Brother Luke, and as people at home don't know, uh, a week ago, Pope Francis gave a marvelous speech. And we should give our listeners some credit. Well, some of them, okay, some of them, some of you might have known that. Okay, but I'm talking about like why we chose this and where we chose it from, right? But a week ago, the Holy Father gave a speech to all the cardinals in the Vatican and the people who work in the Vatican, the bishops, and it's sort of his like state of the church address, you know, like the. President in the U.S. gives a State of the Union, while the Pope sort of gives his State of the State of the Vatican or State of the Church address uh, just before Christmas. He does it every year, so it's sort of like a kind of a go-to speech for those of us who want to know what he thinks are the trends in the Church and sort of ways to go forward, etc. And in this speech, the Holy Father, as he always does, he always has these great images. He always picks these great themes, and he sort of just pulls this wisdom out of his sleeves and is like, wow, like, this is great. And so he talked about um, the difference between crisis and conflict. And his whole speech is that um, at the very beginning, I'll just, I'll just um, read, this, read this out loud. Yeah, He's, please do. He says that the very first line of his speech, he says, the birth of Jesus of Nazareth is the mystery of a birth, which reminds us that men, though they must die, are not born in order to die, but in order to begin. To begin. To begin. And what he says is that a crisis helps us to begin. That could be a perfect line for the beginning of like an epic movie. Like put that on a, just like a black background and just those words appear. Yeah. And then like some explosion happens and the movie starts like, (laughs) boom. Or maybe aliens are like a, a light speed Millennium Falcon. Oh man. That would be awesome. Yeah. yeah, you know this is this is this is real life. You know, the Pope knows how to the Pope knows how to pump up his cardinals and absolutely. Yeah, yeah. He's he's yeah. Well, he's also been you know he's been hard on them sometimes. You know, like he usually always comes out you know saying like you know some of, some of you guys you know gossip too much in the Vatican you know and it causes a lot of problems and you should stop doing that. Yeah, he says it how it is. Yeah, exactly. He's not afraid. Uh, 
He's not afraid to call it out. So, so, so what yeah. is the difference between crisis and conflict? And why are we talking about this? So we're talking about it because, well, everybody knows that 2020 was a hard year. Yes. It was very hard. Um, a lot of bad stuff happened, just to summarize it uh, succinctly, just like that. Like, obviously, um, so many people who were sick, those who died, right? That's the, that's the number one thing that we, that we think about, and the families and, and the poor who, who didn't have access to, to basic needs, health care. I'm thinking of... Um, and the crisis in the United States, so the, the conflict, whatever you want to call it. Exactly. The, um, the, the race, racial tensions. And then, well, obviously... The Just the political uh, polarization right. that's yeah. causing some yeah. divisions in, even in families. Right, which, hasn't, which obviously isn't, <laughs> isn't confined to only 2020. It's been going on for, for the last several years, right? So, um, so yeah, there's been, a lot of, there's been a lot of struggles. There's been a lot of struggles. It's been... And everybody's like, you know... Thanks be to God, 2020 is almost over. 2021, here we come. Happiness, butterflies, flowers, and paella. And we want this episode to help people look at 2021 with hope because if you look back and you kind of just breathe that in too much, Mm -hmm. you might think, oh, well, then I have nothing to hope for because it's only going to get worse. No, that's not true. And hopefully this episode is going to help us see that not 2020 wasn't just um, rain, and uh, dragonflies or mosquitoes mm-hmm. and, uh, and mud spinach and suffering and I was seeing the three opposites of rainbows, butterflies. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, yeah. yeah, it wasn't it wasn't just a, a bowl of cereal with Coke. For yeah, instance. exactly. It was it was diet Coke that's flat. Exactly. Oh, that'd be terrible, right? Um, obviously, you know we're you know we're making light of this. You know, a lot of people you know really did did suffer, and so um, um, you yeah. know we 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 we've been trying to reach out to them, et cetera. Um, but what we want to talk about is how, h- how can we live through tough moments in our life? How did we, how did we live through 2020? How did, we, how did we get through? We're still going. I mean, in the, the, obviously, the situation hasn't, it's getting better because the vaccines are starting to come out, right? So there's light at the end of the tunnel, but we're still in the tunnel. There's still a lot of restrictions, right? But how can we get through hard moments? Okay, so we, uh, in our very first episode, so for all of our faithful listeners, you know. That's right. We have something called the Dunque Hermeneutic mm-hmm. that guides us in our reflections and all these different episodes. It's asking, not just looking at the what, but the why. Mm-hmm. Okay, so it's with every what, there is a why. Everything that happens, there's a deeper meaning that I can discover if I use the Dunque Hermeneutic, which is exactly that. It's asking that question, doing some reflection. So we're going to introduce today... The spin off of the Dunque hermeneutic, the right. crisis hermeneutic. Exactly. And just for those listeners who aren't experts in Italian, Dunque, just a reminder, means uh, therefore or like what what the heck, basically. So like it's like a way of looking at your life, looking at the events in your life and like taking a step back and like asking yourself, what's going on here? What is What can I learn from this thing that's happening exactly. in my life? Exactly. And so to do that, Brother Andrew and I are going to get uh, Vulner- personable, vulnerable personal, and vulnerable. That's right. And talk about our, some personal crises that we had this year, but, or in the past couple years, but with this hermeneutic first, what was our initial reaction mm-hmm. when this crisis came about? Secondly, did I eventually accept it or run away, reject it mm-hmm. and get this thing as far away from me, this challenge, this difficulty. And then lastly, the consequence of it was there growth. Did I notice growth? 
or did I sort of just plateau and kind of things just went on? Stagnation. Stagnation. And so the growth would obviously come from someone who accepts it. Um, and the plateauing maybe from someone who just avoids crisis and avoids the challenges. And with that, I think I'll begin. Very good. So my Let's look at your crises, brother Luke, and see how you lived them. So brother Andrew is going to help me analyze these crises. Because the point is, folks, is that we want you to be able to look at your own crises and the conflicts that you have in your life, and we want you to grow from them. That's that's. That's what, because this always, this is always going to happen. And 2020 was like a paradigmatic year for this. And so it's so important for us not to get overwhelmed with crises when they come, because they will come. Yes. They will always come. They're always going to be present. Um, Everybody, if you look through the Bible, everybody had crises from Abraham to Moses, to John the Baptist, to Elijah, our Lord himself. Everybody went through crises, but they grew from them. Yeah, and so hopefully to guide this conversation, we're also going to take certain lines that we both really liked from this, the Pope's audience with the Roman Curia uh, just a couple of weeks ago, a week and a half ago. And uh, yeah, try to learn from those things, obviously based on our faith, using our faith as a lens, using the what we learned from St. Paul, who says that all things work for the good of those who love God. It's, it's something that we've heard a million times. But it's amazing when you look back and you see that. Yeah. That God really does pull out something greater from us that we didn't even realize uh, was possible. Yeah. So I went to Medjugorje uh, late February and I got back to Rome uh, early early, uh, March. Medjugorje, as I think everyone knows, is um, the shrine of Mary. There's been, uh, I think, six... uh, who have seen Mary hear her messages um, either publicly or privately. And it's this uh, yeah, center of faith and devotion to Mary and uh, incredible experience. I was invited to go um, by, by a group of families going from Trent um, up north in Italy. And at first I was, my initial reaction was excitement because I'd never been, I'd heard so much about it. I want to go. I heard like conversion stories. I would love like, to go. I've, I've never been. It's amazing. Hopefully you get a chance. Um, and it, yeah, it was a really powerful experience, but it kind of began with excitement. And then there was almost an immediate uh, reaction of fear after that. Why? Because uh, this was an annual trip that this group had done and they were always inviting different legionary brothers. And uh, I didn't really know them. I knew I'd met some of the group uh, once over dinner, and that's how I, I got invited. My name was put on the list. And I think the fear initially came from uh, fear of the unknown a little bit because I didn't know them. How is this going to work? Mm-hmm. Uh, we're going to have to drive from, um, yeah, basically from the that area, like kind of close to Milan, I guess, all the way to Medjugorje. I think it was like close to a 12-hour trip. In these little vans, so they're kind of like strangers. I'm gonna be kind of locked in there. Am I Italian? Like, will I be able to? Will it hold up mm-hmm. um, <laughs> the tests of four days with Italians? Yeah, you can talk about like philosophy in Italian, but, but maybe not like daily life. Exactly. <laughs> that's that's a weird thing that the experience that we all encounter here is that if you want to talk about substance and uh-huh. accidents, uh-huh. metaphysics, and yeah, and theories <laughs> like that Nietzsche had and Heidegger. Oh, great. Let's do yeah, it. Yeah, let's talk about it. But if you just want to like order a pizza, yeah, um, yeah it might be a little more difficult. <laughs> yeah. So, um, and as well, I was comparing myself with the brothers that had gone before, which is also, I think, a common experience a lot of us have. Yeah. That we enter into difficulties when we begin to, uh, com- yeah, compare our talents and 
we see all the greatness of someone else that's walked before us or walking beside us. And then we look at ourselves in the mirror and we think, man, what a... Yeah, it's, it, it really sucks the life out of you when you do that. I it's like, wow, that what too. garbage, you know? What, yeah. uh-huh. um, like, what can I offer them? And of course, when you get there, they're like, oh, I remember a brother who came before you. He was so great. Uh-huh. He was so funny. He was good with the kids. He was deep. He was, he was uh, his Italian was great. And they just go through this huge long list. He's basically not like you. <laughs> exactly. And that's what you start to hear in your back of your head. So all those kind of fears were there, but I accepted the challenge and the opportunity. I I went on the trip and there were all these even small fears. Like I was thinking like, okay, this is kind of embarrassing, but I'll just say it. Great. So like, um, what if I need to go to the bathroom on the, on the long trip? Mm-hmm. And like, I don't want to be an inconvenience for the two, the 18 other people on the trip. And, right. and like, if it was just like me and my family, it's like, no problem. Hey, can we stop at this next place or whatever? Or I get hungry or I get dizzy because like the mountain roads, like, well, I would just be able to ask to stop, you know? And, and there was, from the very beginning of the trip, so much acceptance, love, uh, accolienza is the Italian mm. word. I love it. It's mm-hmm. just like, you know, welcoming someone in, like they just bring you in and they make you feel at home. There was that from the very beginning of the trip. And um, yeah, so things with stops along the, on the road, no problem at all. Um, I was also kind of worried that like, is it just going to be um, talking about Mary the entire time? Because as much as I love Mary, I also like would like to talk about other things. <laughs> and the, the people were super normal. Uh, we did pray a lot of rosaries, which I had heard is a thing when you go to Medjugorje. It's just like rosary after rosary after rosary. Mixed in there with uh, um, Divine Mercy chaplets. Mm-hmm. And so, part, yeah, part of that was hard for me because I wasn't used to it. It was getting used to um, kind of just like going at the rhythm of of a whole other group. And they had all been before and I was the only new person and everything. Some people had been there like over 10 times. Um, Were you the only brother there or a priest? Was there was a there? priest that went who had okay. also been there a couple of okay. times, Father Enrique. Ah, uh, yeah. And okay. I went with this group. And there were so there were 16, um, of one family and then a lot of other, there were some married couples and some um, others who went on their own. Um, and the two drivers were also not just drivers, but part of the group. They're with us the whole time. They're really, they're brothers and they're really deep, um, very devoted to Mary, very deep in their faith. Um, and so just a few things real quick that um, stick out to me as I look back. First, I mentioned that I was just received for who I am. And if I would have spent the whole weekend just comparing myself and trying to be someone else, I don't think I would have had the same experience. There were so many times where I got to be who I am and use the talents that God gave me and I wasn't even looking for it. For example, they happened to bring two guitars and there's only one guitar player there. And I had picked up guitar about a year and a half before that. And so for all the masses, I was able to join uh, join and playing guitar. And that was one of the talents that I got to, I got to use and to praise God. And I just, I really enjoy that. Awesome. Uh, also they, they asked, they immediately, um, invited me to give reflections while we were on, um, the path. They, there's two different mountains that you go on. And so one of them is, is like the rosary path. And the other one is the stations of the cross path. And they go up these mountains and their traditions to go up barefoot, which I did once, uh, on one of the mountains. But uh, immediately they say, hey, uh, Brother Luke, why don't you give the reflection at this, mis- um, when we arrive to this station for the uh, Station of the Cross or this for the rosary. And I was immediately brought in and I was able to, the little I have, I was able to put that on the table. And I noticed and I saw how it helped people. And so all these fears that we have that can sometimes make us want to run away and not face a certain difficulty and challenge are a lot of times false. Mm-hmm. If there's a voice that's putting us down or a voice that is accusing us of being bad or doing, or, um, yeah, it's, it's kind of, it's just a lot of negativity. Mm-hmm. A lot of times it's not God. 
Right. Yeah, you have to make a you have to stop at that point and say, wait a minute. Okay, this idea just popped into my head. Where is it coming from? Who is who who is who is whispering that to me? Is it coming from me? Is it coming from God? Is it coming from the evil one? Where is it coming from? And and also, I have this idea in my head. What is it causing me to feel? Right? You know, and often, you know, most of, you know, mo- most of us here, you know, many of you listening, most of us, were, our lives are basically oriented towards God, right? And so when we, sorry, I'm interrupting you, Brother Luke. No, but, please. But once we, once we are on that path towards God, the Holy Spirit sustains us by encouraging us because we're already, we're already walking towards God. We're, we're you know, we're, we're trying to be faithful to him. We're, we're trying to love him with all our heart, mind, soul, and strength. And so the Holy Spirit will always encourage us. But the, but the devil does the opposite. He tries to discourage us, which if you go back to the Latin root, dis, uh, As cor, we tend to do. Exactly. Discord, like to take the heart out of you. Cor in Latin means heart. And so the devil tries to, to, to dirty our hearts and tries to, to take it out. And, 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 and then once, if, you don't have your, if you don't have any blood flowing through your body, you grow weak and, and you just can't take it. And taking the life out, is, in other words, is taking the Holy Spirit out because the Holy Spirit is, is the giver of life. Exactly. And so we have to, so the point is to be attentive. What is this thought that's in my mind right now? What is it causing me to feel? And who, who could be, who or what could be the origin of that? And I think that's what you were experiencing while you were, while you were there. Yeah. And each night I took time to look back at the blessings of the day. And it was amazing to me to see how those initial fears, which actually I had written down, because I wanted to be attentive, like where are these things coming from, how they were answered and how God addressed them in small ways, like in the ways that I've already described. And Brother uh, Andrew made a a great point of who is the real protagonist or who should be the real protagonist in our lives and in these moments of crisis. It can seem like when things are all dark that the devil is kind of winning or he's he's gaining momentum, he's in the lead. But really, the Holy Spirit is a protagonist. And one of the things that came out in uh, Pope Francis' talk with the, the Curia was exactly that. It seems like when you look back at Jesus' temptations in the desert, that's what we usually label that gospel passage. It can seem like the devil was really kind of taking charge and Jesus was battling and it was back and forth and back and forth, good and evil. But if you go back to the beginning of the passage, it says Jesus was led into the desert to be tempted by the devil. So who is the real protagonist in our lives? It wasn't that Jesus went to the, to the desert and was surprised to find himself tempted by the devil. He went to the desert to be tempted. He went towards the crisis. And in that, uh, facing up to the challenge and being led by the Spirit into, this, uh, into the desert, which is, is always a, is a beautiful image throughout the Bible of difficulty, uh, solitude, silence, hunger, and all these uh, kind of summary of all the human uh, challenges that we might face throughout our whole lives, by being led into the Spirit, by the Spirit into the desert, there's life, new life comes from that, which is this gift of the Holy Spirit, newness comes. And so where I saw growth, kind of go to the final question of this crisis hermeneutic, which comes from the Dunque hermeneutic. That's right. That therefore, what can I learn? How did I grow from this? I learned that I can completely trust God and Mary um, and this beautiful shrine, I, I felt so many times Mary's presence. I can trust them. Uh, and also I can express to them and to others, my brothers and fathers and uh, here in the seminary and my family. I shouldn't be afraid that I, I f- do have certain fears of um, future and uncertainty, all those things. 
but to never, I'm never alone in that, that the Holy Spirit is always going to be leading me directly yeah. to the desert so that from that I can grow and I can be prepared for the public, the future ministry that I'll have, just like Jesus was prepared in the desert for his ministry, um, which was eventually to give his life, but he was only able to give his life because he had throughout his, his life been led by the spirit uh, of life, of generosity, of giving to others, of laying your life down. Uh, so that's my first crisis I wanted to share. Yeah. Um, Brother Andrew, <clears throat> yeah. take it away. And, and I think before I go to my example, what you just explained is a reason why we should not flee from a crisis. Because a crisis that the Pope says in his speech, he says it's a necessary moment in the history of individuals and society. Uh, and then I'm just quoting from him. It says, a crisis appears as an extraordinary event that always creates a sense of trepidation anxiety, upset, and uncertainty in the face of decisions to be made. You know, like you going into Medjugorje, you know, like you had all these doubts, like how are they going to, what's it going to be like? You know, how is it, everything's going to go well? You know, I need to, I'm with them. I made the decision to go with them. What, how is it going to work out? You know, and then, and then the Pope says that if you look at the etymology of the word crisis, which we're uh, very fond of doing here in our in our TJF uh, yes, podcast. Yes, the Greek, the Latin. Exactly. So if you look at, but it's just so revealing because if you look at the etymology of the word crisis, it comes from the Greek word for like, for uh, dis, dis, decision or judgment. And I would make a long list of all the different Indo-European languages and etymology, exactly. but I'll spare you. Yeah, okay, yeah. I'll spare you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I'll, I'll humbly take your take your place. Yes. So, and so, um, so the crisis, it's that moment of decision. But actually, if you go back even further, <laughs> to Indo, actually, I read this as it wasn't just because you just said this. <laughs> if you go back further, there is an Indo-European root. Of course, there always is. There always is. It always ends up that, which which refers to um, sifting something. You know, like say you have like you 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 get a bunch of sand and gunk from the beach and shells, and you put it all in like this filter, and you sift it through, and then all the sand goes through, and then you're left with with the with the beautiful broken, shells, beautiful and... shells or broken shells, right, whatever. Um, so the, the point is that a crisis is the sifting moment that separates the good from the bad, the wheat from the chaff, the, the shells from the sand. Um, and so you need to get through that. So like you and your experience, and, and maybe uh, segueing into, into my example, when you sift through um, these events that happen to you, a difficult moment, a negative thought, a positive thought, whatever, you sift through that and you see, okay, what's, what is, what's good about this? And what can I leave behind? So that's that's what we that's what we try to do, and that's what we want people to do at home. I had a very hard crisis when I was sent to France to work. Uh, it was 2016, 2017. Uh, it was my first assignment as a, as a legionary, as a, as a brother. You're finishing uh, philosophy. You finished philosophy. I finished. Yeah, I finished no. my my bachelor's, and I was it was my first yeah apostolic assignment. Did you speak French? Before I, you went, so I, I in high school I had a I had uh, yeah I studied in high school it was three years I had a really good teacher uh, my last year of high school she was great she she was a native speaker um, so she was French and she only spoke in French in class so that was a big help it was hard because well I didn't really know it very well brutal but um but it was a moment of crisis and I grew from it right there you go so anyways um. So, so it was, it was, I was excited to go. I was like, ah, oh, new culture. Great. I can, I can, you know, learn a new language and, um, and I'm just, it'll be, it'll be, it'll be a really beautiful experience. And, you know, I was excited, you know, I was, I want to help, you know, and, 
And so I got to the school and I was assigned to, it was a small school, about 45 kids. And I was assigned to work with the high schoolers. So it was like a junior high, high school type of thing, like fifth grade to, to senior year. And I was assigned to work with high school. And, and it was tough because um, these, these young, these, these kids, these teenagers, um, well, the teenagers first, then they're, they're guys second, and then third, they're French. <laughs> and so, um, I mean, I love, I love the French, but it's, it is a tough culture if you're not French. Um, like we have, I mean, like, just imagine, like, I mean, if you, you can learn the language, okay. There wasn't a problem with the language. And I actually learned a lot of colorful new words and I'm sure you in, did. in the locker room, you know, watching <laughs> over them. But, um, but the problem was that was that there was like a cultural difference, right? Um, and it, and also because of my lack of experience, it was my first year. I didn't really know anything. That also created a um, added an element to the to the perfect storm. And then there were also some uh, struggles with the people that I that I worked with at the school. Um, I kind of kind of felt alone in the way I was like uh, needing to give them formation. And I and I was sort of in, I was in charge of their discipline. So as an American who doesn't really, first time in France, and he's sent to work with teenagers in charge of their discipline. And then, I mean, I, the director of the school, I love him, but discipline was not his forte. Now, if they had asked Brother Andrew to be the cook and make, like, baguettes, <laughs> he would have done a fantastic job. That as, would have been great. <laughs> you know from previous episodes, he's quite the cook. But no, instead, yeah. discipline. Instead, I was in, and I, so, and it was, it was, it was a tough experience. And it throughout the year, we just had a lot of, con there was, a, there was a lot of, the year kind of progressively went, got getting getting worse, you know, from better to worse. We had moments of, you know, um, flickers here and there of hope and light, and 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 and, you know, it was there were there were a lot of good experiences, um, but it was just it was tough because I couldn't. What was hard for me is that I couldn't get across to them. I couldn't get to them, you know. I couldn't really form a bridge with them, um, with these with these boys, and it was I could just I just felt. Um, I was I was angry. I was I was kind of like I felt with a lot of pressure inside of me, and I, I lost uh, I lost weight because I, I was just frustrated when I got to the dining room. I didn't want to eat very much, um, so it, yeah, it was affecting me. And and um, and then I mean, eventually I mean, there were some really tough experiences too. We had um, a kid who came from a tough family. His parents sort of uh, abandoned him, and um, and he tried to take his own life actually at the at the school. Um, which we later in, kind of interpreted as well. He felt, I mean, it wasn't like this. I mean, he did try to do it, but it wasn't like, I mean, he could have done it like uh, secretly, but he kind of did it out in the open. So we think that he, he wanted to draw attention to it so that we could help yeah. him because he felt maybe like he was in the environment. To um, Anyways, so there were some tough experiences and, and just like outright, like people just like, my, I had like zero authority. <laughs> like, gosh, I mean, I had the, I had the, the, I didn't have any like moral authority. Yes, right, with yeah, them. yeah. And so, and so it was tough. Um, but, but what I, but it was also tough because I wanted to be, I wanted to be successful at what I was doing. I wanted to, yeah, I, I felt like, hey, you know, brother Andrew, you're assigned to France. You have all these great qualities, you know, great. And like, I felt like it was a million bucks, you know, and get there and I don't know. And then I just can't, I can't do this, this work that I've been assigned. And then at the end of the, at the end of the year, my superior called me to his office. I knew what he was going to say. I, I didn't. I didn't ask for a change, but he told me that I was going to be changed. He told me I was going to be sent 
to, to the state store with Brother Luke. Brother Washington, D.C. <laughs> Shout out. That's right. LTP. That's right. That was, that was great. But um, so it was tough because, well, sure, there were different, there were also human difficulties, right? But, but, but the deeper level, it was tough because maybe my priorities weren't in the right order. You know, why, why do I, why am I a seminarian? Why am, why am I going to be a priest? Am I going to be a priest to, to be successful at everything I do? Am I going to be a priest to, to, so people love me? Am I going to be a priest so that I, everything I do is just, you know, cakes and, and cookies? Um, why am I going to be, why am I doing this? Am I doing it for my own personal satisfaction? And so I felt like all of those priorities, which maybe weren't, I mean, I never told myself, you know, like, I want to be a priest because it's about me and I want to be da da da. I never really, none of us, I don't think, have that yeah. conscious, you know, decision. But though it's kind of there, kind of, you know, some here and there needs to be purified. And so when I came out of this crisis, I came out of this crisis when I, when I started to accept that it's not about me, it's not about my qualities, it's not about my self-realization, it's about serving serving other people. And if God will reach others through you, may he be praised and blessed. If it's somebody else that helps that person and not me, may he be, you know, all glory to him because we're all on the same team. And so, so yeah, so that, so I came out of that crisis, not when I left France, but when I reflected on my experience there and sort of like, you know, did the sifting yes, yeah. went, and let, let all the sand fall down and see, okay, what needs to, what, what, what's good? What needs to be changed? Um, so yeah, that, that was, that was a big, and I, but I wouldn't change that year for anything. Mm. I wouldn't change it because mm. it helped me so much. It really helped me. And it could have seemed like before you sifted that it was just a bunch of sand and garbage like that you picked up on the, on the beach. But then because of that sifting and the sifting works because it's, it's God guiding us, um, to continue shaking and continue shaking. And finally, little by little, you start to see that there are these beautiful shells to continue that image. Right. And little pearls here and there. And uh, maybe even like an un, um, an unopened like Snickers bar. That <laughs> yeah, was deep exactly. In the, deep yeah. in the sand there. And it's like not melted somehow because it was like just deep enough where it was still cool in the yeah. sand. <laughs> exactly. And uh, yeah, like you, God will, God will lead us to those things. And uh, something I read in this book, I'm reading The Power of Silence by Cardinal Sada. Oh, yeah. And uh, there's a line that he's, he's, uh, it's a quote from a monk who says, in silence, joy is looking at God. And uh, I guess just like sadness is when you're looking at oneself. And that only kind of happens in these moments of reflection. Mm -hmm. The the joy of a monk is because his life is 100% focused on God. Mm -hmm. And if you're a monk and you you can live in silence and doing all the prayers and waking up in the crazy hours of the night, but you're thinking about yourself, you're not going to be happy. Yeah. And it's kind of sounded to me like that's a little bit of what you discovered and what we hopefully, I mean, I, I've discovered that in a lot of different moments as well, that like subconsciously we can be kind of just looking for our own gratification and praise of other people. And it's very me-centered. Mm-hmm. And for a little while, maybe because you accomplish certain things and it's all going well, you continue living like that and you're happy. But right. it's not until you have a crisis and maybe even f- you experience failure yeah. that then you're like, wow, why am I doing this? Mm-hmm. If it's just to get trophies and recognized, uh, I mean, why am I, why should I be a priest? And, and eventually I'm going to kind of be disappointed or burned out or just have enough, like, you know, be fed up. But if I'm doing this for others, it's kind of like success, failure, doesn't really matter. Right. Exactly. Yeah. I love this quote from Mother Teresa. She says that the Lord doesn't ask us 
to be successful. He asks us to be faithful. Hmm. And I just love that quote because it's, I mean, just look at him. Look at him. I mean, he like, I mean, obviously a cliche example, but he died on a cross naked. I mean, what what more uh, ignominious death, no, unnoble or ignoble death can you imagine than that? You know, this guy who preached love and, I mean, this guy who was God, right, who preached love and and who, who who lived it. And then he he was abandoned by everybody. And he felt he even felt abandoned by his father on the cross. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And he died. And in the in the eyes of the world, it was a failure. Yeah. But through that, because he was living for others 100%, he was obedient to the will of the Father. That spells for us salvation and liberation, redemption, mm-hmm. uh, complete and utter destruction of the devil and evil and sin. Christ has already won. Mm-hmm. And it, what seems like a failure to us, a lot of times, there's something a lot deeper. If we do the sifting, we realize, wow, God's redemption was there too. And God's grace is there. Mm-hmm. And it's and it's uh, not wanting. It's abundant. Yeah. Overabundant. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. There's a great line from, from the Pope's speech um, when he says that, he says, often our own assessments of ecclesial life, so life in the church, can also sound like tales of hopelessness. You know, and at this point you could think of like, you know, all the abuse that's been going on, etc. you know, coming out of it. But the Pope says, he continues, yet a hopeless reading of reality cannot be termed realistic. Hope gives to our assessments an aspect than our, that, that in our short-sightedness we are often incapable of seeing. I'll read that last line again there. Hope gives to our assessments an aspect that in our short-sightedness we are often incapable of seeing. So we have to, we have to look at, at a crisis moment, a moment of decision, a moment of sifting with hope because there's always something good that the Holy Spirit wants to bring about. A crisis is a moment when there's some sort of priority or value in us that's out of whack. And we continually go through crises in our lives because life is, is, is a slow, a slow um, conversion, a transformation into, into, God, into, into being a child of God in the full sense of the word. Amen. I mean, if you think, we all know, okay, we're made in the image and likeness of God, right? Everybody knows that, that phrase. We're made in the image and likeness of God. And heaven is, is being with God for all eternity. And heaven, so and, and, and in order to, to be in heaven, we have, to, we have to be like God as much as possible. We have to be like him. And, and, and obviously, we're all, not, we're all like him in a certain way, but not as, as fully as we could be, right? Yeah. We're not all 100% Christ-like, perfect reflections. And, and these crises moments, moments of crisis, are, are to help us to sort of adjust the, the chemistry inside of us so that we can become a little bit more like God. And so we shouldn't flee from these moments. We should embrace them. And what does it mean to be like Christ? Because it can seem like a daunting task. Okay, to, so for me to get to heaven and for me to be happy, for me to grow, I need to become this, to be like Jesus, AKA never sinning and mm-hmm. doing everything, just always just smiling and joyful and generous. And mm-hmm. No, but if you go to the, who Christ truly was, it was someone who relied completely on the Father, who uh, when he fell on the way to the cross, he got back up. Um, that That is what it means to be like Christ. It's not that we're perfect, but is that we desire. And that desire, with that desire, it's something that uh, leads us to, to, whenever we do fall, leads us to become more humble. You know, Christ in, at Christmas is born in a manger. So we can even 
capitalize on the fact that we're not perfect Mm -hmm. to grow in humility, which is growing to be more like Christ. And it is growing to be perfect. Uh, Humility leads us to um, become full of God because then we're not just full of ourselves. We're full of God. Uh, And so we never have to be discouraged on this path to becoming completely like Christ and becoming conformed to him um, because that's the goal. And as Brother Andrew was talking to, I was just thinking um, a stupid example would be to, for my life to be a success, um, let's say this is how things work. To my life to be a success, I have to look like Arnold Schwarzenegger looked when he won Mr. Universe. <laughs> okay, so I start. if I want to do that, then I need to go to the gym and work out and protein shakes and steer clear of uh, cakes and calories and things. Mm-hmm. But sometimes we can kind of be like, well, I want to be happy now. And, and God is saying, no, but the goal is to become like me. And so if I want to become like Arnold Schwarzenegger, I can't just be sitting here eating Twinkies and saying like, oh, one day, hopefully I can become like him. No, it needs it needs to be me uh, accepting and facing. And these crisis moments are actually, in that sense, a favor that God's doing for us. It's kind of like placing us in the gym. And then the question is, okay, am I going to lift the weights that are, that are there to be lifted? Or am I just going to go hit the showers right away and kind of like act like I... Yeah. And that's kind of <laughs> just like escaping these. But they're really, if we look at the difficult moments as these favors, knowing that God is going to be our strength and be the one that helps us lift the weights. Uh, and eventually we will little by little become more like Christ. Um, we actually begin to live heaven even on earth because we're more united to God. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, we And we can't, we maybe, you know, sort of like an end, a conclu- concluding idea here. I think it's really important for us to, to, to not be afraid of these moments because they're moments of growth. They're, they're really hard. When I was in France, it was hard. I really wanted to succeed. I really wanted to do continuous work there. I wanted to stay there longer, but, it, but, but it's hard. It's hard. But there are good things that can come out of it. There's Going back to, the, to what the Pope was saying, um, this is really good. L- listen to this. If we can recover the courage and humility to admit that a time of crisis is a time of the spirit. Whenever we are faced with the experience of darkness, weakness, vulnerability, contradiction and loss, we will no longer feel overwhelmed. That is, if if we recover this courage and humility, right? We won't feel overwhelmed. Instead, the Pope says, we will keep trusting that things are about to take a new shape. Yes. A new shape. And that new shape can be something invisible to the eyes. And that's why we do need to have moments of reflection where we go deeper than just uh, the surface and the things that are around me because I just see destruction and collapsing and things. And something that doesn't come out, we discovered on the text of that talk, but if you watch the video, it does come out, was a really cool image that he used called a touristic soul. He said we should not be like touristic souls in the sense that we just go around traveling and so like our lives are day-to-day activities but without any depth. Because mm-hmm. the difference when I think of a tourist and a pilgrim, for example, yeah. is that a tourist comes to Rome, they take a couple selfies in front of the Colosseum, and even St. Peter's, maybe they even go inside St. Peter's, but maybe not. Mm-hmm. Buy gelato. Um, buy some gelato, exactly. And then they've had the Italian experience, the touristic experience, and then they continue on their cruise or whatever. But a pilgrim comes to, to Rome, and they take time in the different churches, and they contemplate the beauty of the different sculptures, and they go back to their homes really enriched and they've grown. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so to to live a crisis, rather like a pilgrim soul instead of a, a touristic soul, yeah, um, 
is, yeah, is exactly what the Pope's, at least for me, it seems to be inviting us um, to do, to, to learn from those experiences, to take time to face them mm-hmm. and let the Holy Spirit speak. Yeah. Yeah. We can't, we can't be afraid of, of the tough moments. We can't. Every, everybody who's been great in history has gone through tough moments. Our Lord is the first example. And so we, so our, 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 our default stance can't be, oh, this is really hard. I'm going to flee from it. I hope 2021 has no difficulties. Exactly. For instance, um, no, it can't be that. But we can enter into the new year with, okay, I just had a year that was really hard. But how am I going to, how am I, and, and this new year, we're going to continue with the restrictions for a little while, certainly. And there's going to be new things that come up. How are we going to live them? A great resolution could just be uh, knowledge or ex- uh, accepting the fact that I'm going to have challenges this year. But like, if you just, ex- by accepting it, you're already, you're, yeah. you're already taking one step towards the victory. Yeah. You're prepared. You're ready. Okay. I'm not expecting rainbows, butterflies, <laughs> and paella. <laughs> a paella is a, is a Spanish rice dish, in case we didn't clear that up at the beginning. Because, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, hopefully our year will have some of those good things, and it will, of course. Yeah. Of course. Um, God loves us too much to just let us go 365 days without any yeah. paella. Right. But not only those three things, because actually, because God loves us as well, he also lets us have moments of like mm-hmm. little stormy, some stormy days and right. some some crisis moments. Because he wants us to be like him. And and these tough moments, these really tough moments that we have, um, I, 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 don't, I don't know if I would say that, you know, God like wants to provoke that in us because I don't, he doesn't, he doesn't find, he does, certainly doesn't take joy out of our suffering, but he's so, he's so godlike and so, he fatherly. Just, he, fatherly that he has this ability to bring good things out of hard situations. And so I wouldn't say that, you know, God provokes these hard situations, but I would say that he allows them because he allows us to be free. Um, but he's also so, he just has this talent. It's only, it's only, only God can, can bring good things out of difficult situations. Yeah. And so we should trust that as we enter into the new year. Don't forget to pray. Prayer is this incredible weapon that we have that like if we if we start to be overwhelmed or bombarded maybe by negativity or um, just kind of like seeing ch- future challenges and wondering will we will we have what it takes to overcome them that's an invitation that's the holy spirit saying to you hey go to your room take 2 minutes pray yeah and like um, this hope that gives us i love that line that you read this hope that gives us mm-hmm. um, a real sense of things it's because it gives us a bigger picture right we can be short sighted just seeing the difficulties, but then you step away from the wall and you notice the beautiful painting and not just like the little right. darker stones of the mosaic. I'm sure that many of you have heard that image, um, but it gives us this bigger picture. And we see, ah, there's this beautiful work of art that God is mm-hmm. um, uh, acting upon and, and doing through me mm-hmm. when I step, but only we only see that when we pray. Uh, right. If we live just go, 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 kind of like a touristic soul, uh, we'll miss out on... Um, the real deeper beauty, mm-hmm. the art piece that the masterpiece that each one of us uh, is being made into. Exactly. So plug in prayer into your into your New Year's resolutions. So hopefully this episode has been um, a chance for us, each of us, to get material for our New Year's resolutions of substance. Right. Like looking back at the difficulties we faced will help us uh, and seeing how we grew or how maybe we sort of kind of escaped or rejected some of those opportunities 
will now allow us, hopefully, and prepare us to face this new year with gusto, hope, adrenaline, spiritual adrenaline. Extravaganza, Um, pandemonium. Pandemonium. Well, maybe not. That's not the right word. Maybe just panda. Pandas. Pandas. I love pandas. Yeah. You can add that to the paella panda <laughs> panda express. Yeah. Um, so we're gonna we're gonna finish with our catchphrase as always. Remember, folks, we don't just do. We doom quay. God bless you. Peace out.